everyone. Welcome to this week's Thursday Top 5. I'm Paige. I'm Anna. So, a little bit of sad news, but not really. This is our last episode that we're going to do for a little bit. Both Anna and I have plans to travel separately and together. And yes. the art world does slightly slow down in the summer. Yeah, it was um, kind of hard to source for news this week. <laughs> right. In so, the past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We've been noticing a lag. So we're. I gonna- also think that like everyone is just like eager to like get out and like do things so like a lot of people are um, taking time off right now Mm -hmm. and in the next couple of weeks so this is the best decision yeah so we're gonna be taking a little bit of a summer break but we will be returning probably around mid-july definitely follow us at curated chatter because we will be announcing our return yes um i think that's it for like housekeeping news Mm -hmm. Um, do you have any like things you want to share? No, I'm just going home for a little bit. So I'm excited to be in LA. Definitely be checking out some art related events there. That's fun. Yeah. What about you? Not really. I'm going to Boston, which like will be cool. Mm -hmm. I'll probably go to the MFA in Boston and I'm going to Connecticut for some art related things as well. And yeah, I don't know. It's that's it. That's, yeah, that's all I have to Hopefully say. Hopefully, we'll have more to share after our little break. Yeah. Um. Once again, it's super hot in our apartment, and there's nothing we can do about it because our AC decided to break. So we're just recording. And I love our of- apartment so much, yes. but we currently have no gas and no AC. So um. It's a little hot in here. And once again, I'm having a little bit of trouble concentrating <laughs> just because I am profusely sweating. If we have a heat stroke mid-recording, this is yeah. why. But we're very dedicated, clearly. Clearly. Anyways, I think we're ready to jump into the um, weeks for... Yeah. The, oh, weeks for the week. It's starting already. <laughs> this week's update comes to us from the art newspaper, where it was announced that, quote... Interpol launches app to identify stolen art, and it has already been used to discover loot. So we thought this was a really fun update since we've been talking so much about art thefts, and we talked about a similar program that was launched in Italy last week. But Interpol launched an app to identify stolen art, and it has already scored successes during pilot tests by police in Spain and Italy. Yes, so the new app called ID Art allows users to check art against 52,000 works registered as stolen on Interpol's database. It also is a tool for collectors and museums. It's envisioned to be a tool for collectors and museums that will allow them to create inventories of their collections so that everyone has like access mm-hmm. to this sort of like more complete database. Spanish police said last month in a press statement that they used ID art to identify three Roman gold coins that had been stolen in Switzerland in 2012, acting on a tip-off from a London numismatist. Which we literally seconds ago learned means a coin specialist. (laughs) Honestly, Anna like added this headline to the list and I thought she made a typo when I saw that word. Very funny word. It's an interesting one. They caught and arrested two people in Barcelona as they were trying to sell one of the coins, which together are worth around 200,000 euros. So it's already just like big successes. Yes. And ID Art is available for free download from the Google Play Store and the Apple Store. I want to download it. Like I want to find something that's been stolen so I can like make a discovery. I wonder if... So Interpol only works in Europe, right? Right. So like does it does the app work like globally? 
that's a great point. That might hinder my plan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, maybe mid-July we will report back on this. Paige will try to download the app and we will... Um, maybe I'll find a coin. You, know, yeah, you never maybe know. Maybe she'll find a collection of coins worth 200,000 euros. Wouldn't that be exciting? <laughs> <laughs> but I think we're ready to dive in. Our first headline of the week comes to us from The Guardian, where it was reported that, quote, Luc de Triomphe wrapped Christo's dream being realized. Work will, be, will begin next month on Luc de Triomphe wrapped, a 14 million euro installation at one of the world's most recognized monuments as a posthumous project planned by the artist Christo. So the proje- project is a realization of a dream spanning almost 60 years for Christo and his French wife, Jean-Claude, who first drew up plans to wrap the Arc de Triomphe in 1962 while renting a small room near the monument. According to the couple's nephew, a photo montage of how it would look was finished, but they never proposed actually doing it because they thought that they would never be able to get the necessary permission to actually wrap up the monument. This is a perfect example of like, you'll never know if you don't try. So like, or if you don't ask. Exactly. They should have asked sooner. (laughs) Getting a little aggressive. (laughs) Arc will be covered in 25,000 square meters of recyclable fabric fixed with 3,000 meters of red rope, which is also recyclable. So it's a very eco-friendly um, mm-hmm. intervention. Yeah. Um, what is also great about the extensive planning is that the project is just as the artist wanted and does 100% an authentic work. Right. So even though the artist is no longer alive, it is... It's just dark. Like, what? <laughs> I think it's touching. Okay, yes, but they could have literally asked sooner. Yes, but it actually gets even worse because the idea was revived in 2017 Mm -hmm. when the artist was still alive (laughs) and it had been approved by the committee that oversees all public monuments. But because of COVID, it was canceled and Christos actually died due to COVID complications. (laughs) We're allowed to laugh about COVID because we're COVID survivors. (laughs) Um, so Christo was alive at the time, said he had barely 18 months to draw up the concrete details of the Arc de Triomphe project, which is atypical for the artist who had 10 years for the Pont Neuf and waited 26 years to the gates of Central Park in New York. So definitely a lesson in patience. Yep. I can't imagine waiting 20, like I'm not even 26, like I can't imagine <laughs> waiting 26 years to do something. Like <laughs> But construction teams will work for 12 weeks to begin building the installation, which it plan- It was planned very specifically to be after Bastille Day, and then it has to be finished before September 18th. Yes. Um, and like most of Christo's work, it will be temporary. So when, on October 3rd, work will begin to remove the wrapping in time for the November Armstead's, um Day ceremony. So it's like they just squeezed it in. Yes. It's interesting because they did approve it, but they only approved it to not coincide with an event that involves the Arc de Triomphe. Yeah. So it's like you can do it as long as it won't be photographed like heavily Heavily during that time events (laughs) but another really interesting fact about the project is that it's going to receive no public funds and has instead been entirely funded through the sale of Christo's preparatory studies drawings and collages of the project as well as scale models works from the 1950s and 60s and original lithographs on other subjects so they really like his estate put a ton of effort into getting this project yeah done oh oh no I guess we're 
both not going to be in Paris during this time. <laughs> Unfortunately, we will be unable oh, to yes. attend. <laughs> Although if anyone would like to fly us out to Paris. Yeah, if anyone wants us to go um, report on this story live. We like, would love to do it. Know. We'll video it. Yeah, we'll anything. do the whole thing. Anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> we're flexible. But I think we're ready to move on. Yes. Headline number two for this week comes to us from Hyperallergic, which never disappoints on some more like interesting headlines, this one being no exception. Quote, people want Jeff Bezos to buy the Mona Lisa and eat it. So a growing number of people online are urging the world's wealthiest man, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, to buy Leonardo da Vinci's famous Mona Lisa painting and eat it. So an online petition was posted by Keen Powell and has already been signed by over 4,500 people, and it is titled, quote, We want Jeff Bezos to buy and eat the Mona Lisa. And the actual petition consists of only one sentence, which is kind of strange because I feel like a petition is normally like I think of a packet of like yeah. demands. But the one sentence reads, quote, nobody has eaten the Mona Lisa and we feel Jeff Bezos needs to take a stand and make this happen. It also is very weird because it's not an alt cap or it doesn't have anything capitalized. Right. Like it's all lowercase, um, which is a so statement in and it's of a, itself. Exactly. But despite the absurdity, the painting is actually owned by the French state and it's only on display at the Louvre. The petition is gaining signatures and media traction, maybe because the pictures they use are like so outrageous and like uncomfortable that like that's what's like. They like superimposed his yeah. head on top of the Mona Lisa. It's very weird. And perhaps like the most amusing part of this whole thing are the comments that people are leaving on the page. <laughs> <laughs> Someone wrote Gobble Lisa. <laughs> Paige was fascinated by this story at 10 30 p.m. last night, <laughs> sending me screenshots of the comments. <laughs> it's so funny. It is really funny. It's just so absurd. It is very absurd. And this is not the only online phenomenon that Bezos ha is currently the center of. As he recently announced on July 20th, he will be the first civilian to fly to space in a rocket launched by his company, Blue Origin. And many encourage him to take permanent residence in space. Because I hate him. Obviously. He's really being attacked. People are he like, please move to space and eat the Mona Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if people want, he should take the Mona Lisa with him to space. No, because then we'll never see it again. Well, he's going to come back. You what don't think he he's going to make it back? What if he That's doesn't? a dark thought. <laughs> but the article also makes the important note that it is not recommended for anyone to eat an oil painting. Mm -hmm. A famous example of um, its inadvisable effects is Vincent Van Gogh, who is said to have tried to poison himself by eating paint and drink turpentine, which is what is used to like remove oil paints. Right. So if Jeff Bezos eats the Mona Lisa, he will die. <laughs> but he might also die coming back to in from space so according to Anna so the takeaway from this is people just hate him yeah yeah <laughs> this is such a positive story love it it's just like I can't believe like people come who up with made these things this? like someone was sitting at home and it's like you know it'd be so funny and then it gets like thousands of signatures and now we're talking about it on a podcast yeah like crazy articles written up about it wild so our third headline of the week comes to us from the art newspaper where it was reported that quote the internet is for sale. Sotheby's to offer Tim Berner-Lee's original code for World Wide Web as, you guessed it, an NFT. Gross. <laughs> Anna hates NFTs if you haven't heard. <laughs> Do you not hate them? 
I don't think I hate them as much as you hate them. Yeah, because they're so stupid. But I'm not a fan. Okay, okay. One of the most historically significant digital artifacts, the source code for the internet application, will be sold as an NFT later this month at Sotheby's in a single lot auction, which is titled This Changed Everything and will be available from June 23rd to June 30th. So the NFT includes time-stamped digital files of the code written between 1990 and 1991 by the British computer scientist Tim Berners-Lee. It was this code that formed the basis of the world's first hypermedia browser, allowing users to create and navigate links between files across a network of computers, so the internet. Right. And it is composed of 9,555 lines written in Objective-C programming language. It contains early forms of the coding languages HTML, URI, and HTTP, but don't ask us to explain any of that. Yeah, no, we're not coders here. (laughs) Um, In an accompanying letter written this year, Berners-Lee reflects on his groundbreaking invention and describes the process of writing the code using a computer designed by Steve Jobs, the late founder of Apple. It's really cool because it's actually the first historical artifact relating to this landmark moment of the internet being founded that has ever been sold. And it's offered directly by Tim Berners-Lee himself. So it's, you know, it's authentic. I think like this is the only type of NFT I can get behind because mm-hmm. it's like, it's like a moment coming like full circle. Well, I think almost. it's also similar to what we talked about with the Gucci video being turned into it's an NFT. Yeah. Where if something already exists in the digital space, yes. then an NFT might be the perfect medium for I them. Agree. I think we have more of an issue when they're trying to turn like a Botticelli into an NFT. No, that's that's my issue. Yes. But Sotheby's will start the bid for the NFT at $1,000 to allow for as many people as possible to take part in the sale. Although we doubt it will go for anything close to that number. It's- it's not going for $1,000. It is kind of exciting, though, to say that, like, maybe people just want to bid on it. Like, we can probably bid on it. I could bid $1,000 on it. Yeah. Like, why not? Why not? We're not going to have to buy it because someone's going to bid for sure at least 10000 Right. And then 100000 <laughs> So I think it is, it will gain traction, hopefully. Yes. Apparently, the creator of the internet is very opposed to, like, the current direction the internet has taken in terms of privacy. And in 2018, Berners-Lee launched Interrupt, a company founded to decentralize the web and give users back control of their personal data. Oh, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. He like created like an anti-web like after yeah. creating it. <laughs> like, I think that happens to a lot of people who come up with like these crazy ideas like when they get out of hand, like when they turn into things right. they didn't envision. But, but who um, could have envisioned like the internet? No, it's insane. In support of NFTs, Berners-Lee said, quote, it feels right to digitally sign my autograph on a completely digital artifact. NFTs, be they artworks or a digital artifact like this, are the latest playful creations in this realm and the most appropriate means of ownership that exists. They are the ideal way to package the origins behind the web. So he's very pro-NFT, obviously. I don't like him. (laughs) Cancelled. And this sale will benefit initiatives that um, Bernard Lee and his wife support. So it's going to charity, which is always nice. so great. Yes. Oh, speaking of charity and Jeff Bezos, um, his wife is selling, his ex-wife is selling or um, giving away like all of her money apparently to different, like I, I read an article just mm-hmm. now, different charities or not charities, but like museums and things around the world. And the Harlem Museum here in New York just got like a huge grant from her, which is super exciting. But that's, I digress. That's not important. And we can move on to our fourth line. No, but that's very interesting. Yeah, very just interesting. She in said there. she will donate everything up to the last penny, which I doubt, but. 
It's easier said than done. She's one of the richest women in the world. Oh, and she also actually donated a lot of money to Aggie Gone's um, initiative, Arts for Justice, which is very cool. Which we love. Yeah, we love. Moving on, the fourth headline of the day is also kind of an update since we recently talked about Notre Dame, and it comes to us from Artnet News, where it was reported that, quote, Notre Dame raised almost $1 billion after its devastating fire, but now the church says it needs more. French authorities revealed that Notre Dame is scrambling to pull together another 5 million euros, 5 to 6 million euros, which is about 6 to 7 million dollars to renovate the cathedral's interior. And this is because when the pledges of around 825 million euro, which is about 967 million dollars first rolled in from billionaires including Bernard Arnold and Francois Henri Pinot the government passed a law limiting the use of funds to structural restoration and conservation so nothing that was like additional for like aesthetic purposes mm-hmm. And now, in addition to restoring the historic 13th century building to its former glory, the church also wants to add new interior lighting and sound system. They want to revamp the tour layout and install new furniture for visitors. So they're trying to, like, do more than was previously there. Yeah, and a spokesperson for the church said that these updates are meant to, quote, bring the cathedral into the 21st century while ensuring the preservation of its identity in the spirit of the Christian tradition. And today, even with the outpouring of donations that followed the devastating fire, it remains unclear what portion of those promised gifts have actually been received. Yeah, and something that is super interesting is that many of the largest donors have been very slow to make good on their pledges compared to those who gave more modest amounts. That is interesting. And it just like feels a little iffy. Feels wrong. Yeah. But to help drum up additional funds, American nonprofit Friends of Notre Dame de Paris is encouraging would-be donors to sponsor individual objects in need of conservation, such as the gargoyle statues. I wonder if you got a plaque. I don't know, but that'd be kind of cute. Wouldn't that be cute? I feel like that would really encourage people to like be able to put your name on Notre Dame, but maybe like they're a little opposed to that. I don't know, but I think like it's a good idea. That's what they do in Rome when like... Fendi yeah. revives the Trenti Fount- Trevi Fountain. Mm-hmm. Or even like, um, what's it called? Like, you know, like how they do sometimes on like the pavement where they like inscribe names yes. and like little brick Like things. you get a brick. Yeah. Yeah. That also would be cool. That would be but, cool. But um, Notre Dame specs the artist. That artist will also donate their time to help rebuild the crown of thr- thorns, reliquary box, and to construct a new tabernacle among other projects. The French government is still hoping to reopen the cathedral to the public in time for the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris. So hopefully that will still be able to happen. It does make sense that they want to like revamp the touring too, because whenever there's an Olympic Games in a city, the tourism just like exponentially increases. I agree. It's also like everything in this article makes sense. It's just like, I think when... The amount of money is insane. Yeah. But also when donations first started coming in, people were like, oh, a billion dollars is a lot. But like, we don't know how much they've actually received. Mm -hmm. Like they like we will never know if it's like half of that that they received. And that's why they're sharing funds. If like large donors are being slow. So like there are a lot of things at play here. And it also makes sense that like if they're going through a renovation right now and like the cathedral is closed, like they would want to like do everything in one like right they're not gonna want to have to close close it again again in three years exactly exactly that's a great point yeah our fifth and final story of the day is a little bit of art world gossip brought to us by page six where it was reported that quote 
Libby Mugrabi files to reopen New York's nastiest divorce from David. So the former wife of art billionaire David Mugrabi is reopening their bruising divorce case, alleging he deliberately damaged works by Basquiat and Warhol that he was ordered by a judge to give to his ex-wife. Yes. So for context... David McGravy owns billions of dollars in art, including the largest collection of Warhols in the world. And during their divorce, the couple fought over their collection, plus a $72 million townhouse and a home in the Hamptons, as well as cars and other things like that. All the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> now, socialite Libby McGravy alleges her famed art dealer ex violated that separation agreement by maliciously giving her damaged art valued well below the $16 million he had agreed they were worth. And so she consulted with an IRS-certified art appraiser who told her that, quote, the value of the art is worth substantially less and that David fraudulently misrepresented the value of the artist he agreed to give her, plus try to give her damaged art. And as we all know, if you damage a work of art, no matter what it is, the value significantly decreases, as it should. Yeah. Libby even goes on to allege in the documents that the art was not damaged the last time she saw it. One of the works was a Statue of Liberty by Andy Warhol, said to be worth $2 million, while the other was a Basquiat valued at $6.5 million. So Libby's security team called um, Southampton cops to her home on May 6, alleging that the latest pieces of art signed by David through a handling service had water damage. A source claimed the Warhol has black lines from water damage and scratches and that the Basquiat, that is a collage, was just damaged part of the paper's lifting of the canvas and other things like that. So she refused to receive the works. Imagine if someone actually was told to like go spill a water bottle on the art. No, that's Isn't insane. that horrifying? No, that's crazy. I can't. I mean, I can believe it. Like, it's so petty, but I... Yeah. I can't believe... I don't know why damaging a Warhol doesn't seem as wrong as damaging a Basquiat. And, like, it's not because I love Basquiat. It's just, right. like, Warhol is a lot more commercial and, like, mm-hmm. there are a lot more of them, whereas Basquiat's yeah. are, like, uh, more special. Like, it doesn't feel the same as... Like, damaging a cell screen is just not the same as damaging yeah. a collage. Like, the collage will be, like, significantly harder well, I also to repair. Think knowing that... I think it's really sad because they're doing they're destroying art for personal reasons. Yes. But the Basquiat could end up in a museum one day, whereas yeah. the Warhol, because there are so many copies, which is what the artist did across the yeah. oeuvre, like you can still see it. Exactly. Whereas the collage is probably like very unique. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's worth exactly. a lot more. Yeah. And it's actually not the first time art has been at the center of a wild breakup. During the divorce, Libby testified the exes once physically wrestled over a $500,000 Keith Haring sculpture. However, it is important to note she previously received artworks by Richard Prince and Damien Hirst from David without incident. So they've been able this to successfully crazy story. transfer. Like imagine sitting in court and being like, my ex-husband and I were wrestling over a half a million dollar sculpture once. No. <laughs> and then he threw a bottle of water at the Warhol and Bastia that are meant to be mine. It's really tragic. <laughs> it's so crazy. What do the cops that like go to her house think? Like they're dying. Like, <laughs> and on that note, I think we're ready for our emerging story. Yes, we must share this emerging news story, which comes to us from the Wall Street Journal, where it was reported that quote, "The city that never sleeps wants a nightlife museum." 
City officials are calling for adding another niche museum to the already eclectic mix that is spread across the city in an effort to chronicle and celebrate New York's nightlife legacy. And this could not be more perfect because as of like three weeks ago, all nightlife in New York has been allowed to reopen. Yes, and as of um, Tuesday, so two days ago, Every all New York restrictions have been lifted. It's so crazy. I went to Cha Cha Matcha and no one had a mask on. <laughs> that is true. She was very shook by this. Well, like even the people working there. I know it's crazy. I'm still wearing my mask. I feel kind of uncomfortable. Like, I think when you're inside, know. like I got my keratin treatment yeah. yesterday, and everyone at the hair salon was still wearing a mask. Yeah, exactly. And in a report released Thursday, the city's official office of nightlife, which started operations in 2018 and is part of the mayor's office of media and entertainment, recommended the establishment of an archival institution. They said that a museum could be a way of reframing the nightlife industry as one of the city's cultural treasures with a colorful and vibrant history to say nothing of its role as an economic driver. And despite nightlife historically being seen as more of a liability than as an asset, they're hoping to shift this narrative. I honestly think like I do agree. Yeah. And I think there are so many weird museums in New York already. Like, why not add this? Yeah. Like, it could be really fun. Well, I think nightlife is, like, actually such a big part of culture, like, especially when it comes, like, talking about Keith Haring and Basquiat and mm-hmm. Warhol, like, their whole thing was nightlife. Right. Like, they ran, like, so, all of the, like, salons, all of them, like, yeah. the machine, like, all of those things, like, were such a big part of who they were as a group and, like, what their art stood for. So, like, it would make sense to have something like yeah, this. Yeah, and there, there's honestly amazing photography from, like, yeah, nightclubs, like, period. back in the day in yeah. New York, which would be so cool to see, like, all together as an yeah. exhibit. Um, and I'm sure, like, there are other things that we're not thinking about that, like... Are- Even, like, the clothing could be so cool. Yes. There are so many things you can do. I would be... I think, like, this I would is a great idea. do a visit. Yeah. For sure, right? Definitely. Uh, but I think this is it. And we're super sad it's our last episode for a bit. But, like, we think it's for the best. And we'll have so much content and life updates to Definitely. bring to you in a month. And we will be fresh and ready to go. And hopefully our AC will be working by then. So we won't be dying. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And as Paige said at the beginning, please follow us at Creative Chatter so that you can, like, know when we're coming back exactly and just we will be posting updates just to stay in the know yes thank you bye